The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest episode of Star Trek Picard Season 2, Assimilation. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Sticker. Hi, Father Corey. Resistance is futile. I mean, hi, Dom. <laughs> hey, Father Corey. Thank you again for filling in for me uh, last week oh, when pleasure. I had my uh, brief uh, assimilation into the jury pool. <laughs> but I escaped. <laughs> so uh, before we get started, I want to tell everyone you can get your very own Secrets of Star Trek TV shirt and other cool gear by TV visiting- shirt. Cool. I haven't had a TV shirt. Th- that new wearable technology is coming along nicely. <laughs> yes, I know. Oh, you my could gosh. be your own Teletubby. <laughs> I just added it uh, raising the bets uh, and I, I caught myself doing that. I hate when I like I go back and see, hear myself uh, malapropping. Uh, throughout, uh, but yes, get your very yeah, own. It's, it's frustrating, just like an allegory on the banks of the Nile. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Get your very own Secrets of Star Trek T-shirt and other gear, cool gear, by visiting sqpn.com/slash/merch. That's M-E-R-C-H. Uh, mugs and uh, you know other phone cases and stuff. It you'll have a very cool uh, design of me and Jimmy and Father Corey uh, all riding atop the uh, Enterprise NCC seventeen oh one. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So check it out there. Just let us know what you, how you like the design, even. Yeah. Uh, stick around to the end of the show. We have a lot of feedback, a lot of listener feedback, and it's all great. So we're, we're going to talk about that. Uh, and before we get started, I want to tell you about another show on the network you're sure to enjoy called The Catholics of Oz. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash OZ. So uh, let's yeah. talk. By the by, the, by the way, yep. also before we get started, sure. uh, props for knowing the word malaprop. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> the, do you uh, by by chance, do you know where it comes from? No. What? Where's okay? It from? So it comes from a play. Um, now, um, for people who may not be aware, a malapropism is where you use the wrong word. Um, mm-hmm. for something like um, an allegory on the banks of the Nile instead of an alligator on the banks of the Nile, which itself would be wrong because they don't have alligators there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it comes from a, and malaprop, as you can hear. I mean, prop is related to proposition and mal. It means bad. And so it's like a bad thing. You say the bad thing, say the wrong thing. And it comes from a play um, from the 1700s, if I recall correctly, called Mm. The Rivals. And it's a British play and it's um, it's a comedy. And one of the characters in the comedy is Mrs. Malaprop, who is characteristic for using the wrong word at the right time. And so um, so I've seen The Rivals. I saw a production of it uh, once on uh, like PBS or something. But it's 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 a lot of fun. It's you've got these kind of comic stock characters uh, in this farce and it's enjoyable. Oh, cool. Check that out. Uh, all right, so we are talking about uh, this episode, just the third episode of the season two of Picard, and uh, called Assimilation. And Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happens? Last time, totalitarian security forces beamed onto La Serena, uh, captured everyone, and announced that Picard would be executed as a traitor, killed in the act of rescuing a Borg. This time, the La Serena gang makes short work of the totalitarians and phasers them all out of existence. But Elnor was mortally wounded at the end of last episode, and this episode he dies, causing Raffi to freak out. Don't worry, though, because they hang a lantern on the fact that he'll come back to yeah. life when they change history. Speaking of changing history, the Borg Queen flies them around the sun and they arrive back in 2024, but they crash and the Queen is severely damaged. Raffi, Seven, and Rios go to Los Angeles to try to find the Watcher who can help them fix history, but when transporting, Rios also is severely damaged by falling from a great height. He meets a cute doctor at a neighborhood clinic. But he loses his comm badge, and then he loses his liberty when La Migra raids the clinic and takes him and the cute doctor into custody. 
Meanwhile, back at the ship, Picard lets Agnes plug herself into the Borg Queen to help repair her. This is risky because it means a partial temporary assimilation, but Agnes not only gets away with it, she also steals the Borg Queen's secret knowledge of where the Watcher can be found and when history will be changed. The end. Excellent. So before we get into the episode itself, an interesting little behind-the-scenes note, this episode was directed by Leah Thompson who is the actress from such films as Back to the Future. And yeah, wow, cool. Jaws 3D, I guess I didn't know that. Uh, she apparently in 2006 got into directing TV. So sort of like Robert Duncan McNeil and others like that. Uh, she, she's, uh, she's become a TV director. So she directs this and uh, a future episode of this season, um, hmm. which has been not named. So I thought that was interesting. So um, getting into this one, that... that Big cliffhanger from last time, and now we start with this. And Seven starts off by like she they're obviously caught um in the act, red handed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she tries to bluff her way out of it as president. Uh he's not buying it. By telling her husband, You are interrupt how dare you, you are interrupting a classified operation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, and he says, What's my middle name? <laughs> What's my full name? <laughs> What's my full yeah, name? And, right. And 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 he never gets one because they immediately phaser him out of existence. <laughs> Disintegrated. I, I went back and it's that modern gloopy phaser effect where it's there's a little biological after thing that happens for a second. So mm. it's 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 not like in the original series where the person just shimmers and fades out. It's more gloopy than that. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I went back to check because given Jerry Ryan's uh, political husband situation in real life, I wondered, did they have seven kill the, her, her, her husband on screen? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and no, it was Rafi who did it. It's I don't know if people know this, but. Basically, Jerry Ryan was responsible for us having President Barack Obama. Did you, did you all know? Like, the, basically, her husband was the, a senator from Illinois. Mm-hmm. And when they had their, their their political and personal scandal that caused him to fall from grace and leave office, Barack Obama was elected in his place as the junior senator, thus beginning his rise. Yeah, I don't know that I would say that Jerry Ryan was responsible as much sure. as her husband was responsible. Yeah, her husband was a. Uh, well, let's call him a cad and just leave it at that. He was a really bad dude. Yeah. And in, in any event, I have in my notes uh, at the beginning of the episode when he got phasered, ex-husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would, yeah, that, I bet that was pretty satisfying. Um, they pretty readily like disintegrate them. There's not a whole lot of... Um, There's not hand-wringing. It's just zap, no. he's gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there is a bit of a plot hole here which is mm-hmm. the same phasers that disintegrated those guys just put a hole into elnor why didn't elnor get yes. disintegrated different setting yeah i i feel i kind of feel like that's a bit of a we're, we're hanging that was, up that was i think that was an oops yeah we, well, we can't and, have elnor be disintegrated yeah but i i can i mean it I tend to not sweat super tiny problems that they could fix with this with a line of dialogue or a single cut. Um, if mm-hmm. all they done is because we see them taking the phasers away from the security people, all we needed to see was uh, was a one second clip of someone twisting a knob on the phaser before firing mm-hmm. it. Yeah, although that is a would be a major character moment because i assume that they the the disintegration setting was because that's what these bad mirror universe evil guys would have it set to but that would imply that our guys are going for disintegration which is an Mm -hmm. escalation yeah Uh, so that would be an interesting character point so even that is i think is a bit more of a gap. But, yeah, you know, that's I, I hate to say it, but the idea that they changed the phaser settings once they got them from the security people is kind of a it's not really it's implied maybe, but it's not really there. You don't hear anything. You know, you, yeah. sometimes, you know, you'll hear the chirp, 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 chirp as they change the settings and you don't have anything like that. So I, I, I think this was a. uh an oops and writing there that they they went from went from it just it just put a big hole in his shoulder to disintegrated the bad guys or chest yeah. yeah it actually we i'd have to go back to the previous into the previous episode and see was it the was it the husband that shot elnor because his gun might have been on a different setting than the security attendants true mm. they might have had different settings that's a good point that's too true. yeah so uh we have the queen who escapes 
the 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 uh, force field that she was in to take control of the ship. Like so, she grabs, well, she takes she, over. She, it, it's not so much she escapes the force field as the chamber she's in crashes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so she's out of it now. And I like how there's this moment. You know, there was this moment, and clearly they're building to something with. Agnes and the Queen. Um, that's very obvious by yeah. the end of this episode. But even at the end of last episode, there was this meaningful exchange of glances between Agnes and the Queen, indicating they were going to do something with these characters. And they start to pay that off at the beginning of the episode, where the Queen is out of her chamber and or pod or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, and Agnes is on the floor, and and the Queen is on the floor using her two arms because she doesn't have any legs. So she's using her two arms to walk around and she's just smiling. And Agnes is like totally freaking out about, is she going to assimilate me right now? Yeah. It was creepy. They're yeah. walking around on the hands. Yes. But the, creepy. the queen is actually on mission. Yep. She, she knows, she knows she needs to get plugged into the ship to fly them around the sun. And she just says, allow me. And she goes up to the interface and plugs herself in and flies them around the sun. And right. it's like, yeah. okay, queen is on mission. Good. Yeah. Well, and because she, she's got a stake in it because she's the last Borg. If she can yeah. change the, the, the timeline, she can get the collective back. She um, also destroys the ships that are pursuing them with just directly targeting their deflector dishes and blowing them up. Mm. Mm. I wonder if we're going to have a causality situation, by the way, with the this is why like we started off with the Borg queen showing up, wanting to the Borg to become members of the Federation. Is this a, going to be because? caused by these events of the rest of the season? I wonder. Well, yeah, they're going to do something where at least some of the Borg join the Federation, I predict, because um, that's what they set up to do. And then they freaked out when when the Borg, even though the Borg were still saying, we want peace, but we need to do this first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they didn't trust the Borg. And so this is the classic Star Trek plot of, okay, we encounter the strange, scary life form. And it turns out they're, and we freak out and we don't trust them, but it turns out they were telling the truth all along and now we can be friends. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Q, and that's been reinforced by Q. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the second episode, Q is telling Jean-Luc Picard, I didn't do this. I mean, it's like I'm showing you a universe of your own making. And in this episode, as they're starting to get ready to go back in time, Q suddenly appears over Picard's shoulder and says, let's see what else has been lost in the wake of your fear. And Can he's obviously referring to their fear of the Borg that led him to bl- that led him to blow up the Stargazer. Right, right. So the Borg have been lost. And yeah, and I think that's what's going to happen is, is the Borg Queen, when she says right before the ship explodes, look up, you know, mm-hmm. the, when the Stargazer, mm-hmm. that's going to be he's going to reveal some information to her somehow or that she's got information from him. His time as a cutest, maybe that might be it, too. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That's a lot Maybe. of speculation. Yeah. Also, the Borg Queen is now talking just like the hybrid on Battlestar Galactica as she's as she's hooking herself in to get ready for the round the sun trip. She's going move forward to go backwards, shatter to mend. The past is now. It's like, <laughs> thank you. I've seen yeah. this kind of disordered dialogue before. <laughs> right, right. Yep. Um, th- and then we have the, the slingshot around the sun. And uh, it's interesting and, and, how... And, and for once, it doesn't involve floating heads <laughs> yes. and mannequins diving into the ocean. Um, but there, it is a, there is a, some similarity to the voyage home, uh, the you know the uh, voyage home uh, time travel effect, but different. You're like, there's yeah, difference. it's 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 better. They communicate the essence of this is a really weird experience, but without flowing for without floating phrenology statue heads. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So uh, when they arrive, we get the the requisite. Uh, we we don't know when we are, so we need to tell you that there's no radioactive fallout, but there is air pollution and ozone depletion, and no moon colonies. So that sort of sets us in time for 2024. Um, it's before the big wars, uh, but... which which according to other sources in the Star Trek universe should happen in 2026. Awesome, got that mm. to look forward to. You know, what what else can happen? Uh, so uh, we. <laughs> The timeline may have accelerated. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, um, 
they crash land. Is it at Chateau Picard? I think that's the implication. So they're falling out of the sky. They're about to hit Los Angeles. Agnes points out rightly, you'll step on a lot of butterflies if 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 we crash yeah. into Los Angeles. So um, I, as a disagreement point mm-hmm. uh, on on when Picard takes over uh, control helm, it shows on the console thirty four point five degrees north. 118.1 degree west which happens to be hmm. right close to Vasquez Rocks oh. which uh, interesting Picard saying uh, we're home because well, how many scenes they film at Vasquez Rocks <laughs> throughout yeah. Star Trek it, but in the dialogue and and so okay that would that would make sense but on a writing level they've written it badly then because mm-hmm. um, he says I'm taking us home and home needs to be a place out in the wilderness and Picard could know that Vasquez Rocks is not is not, not that pl- remote. Is, is not that remote, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. is and it, he wouldn't know the state. He wouldn't plausibly know the state of Vasquez Rocks um, in 2024. But he could plausibly know the state of Chateau Picard in 2024. Like it wasn't right. built for a century or something, and it was well, just woods woods before that. There, there. It's, the scene is dark. This is like all modern streaming TV. Mm-hmm. It's way dark when they crash. But it looked like the the chateau was in the background. Like mm-hmm. it was, there was something but, in the background. Yeah, there was a building in the empty. background. So my guess is Chateau Picard is an is an abandoned uh, vineyard winery at this point, or you know, it's there's no right. vineyard there, uh, and he knew that this at this time period, whichever case. And I, I mean, and yeah. it could mean that what was showing on the display is was their current coordinates. And right. that's where they ended up. But that that would be mm-hmm. quite the fall from Southern California to France. Yeah, that's implausible in and of itself. I mean, that's a substantial chunk of I mean, mm. that's thousands of miles. You're going a substantial number of radians to get there around the earth. Yeah. <laughs> so, when I, so when I so when I looked up the, the those coordinates and saw that it was just, you know, in the mountains right outside of Los Angeles, there's like, oh, that's what they this is a wink and a nod at the, the at the fans of you. Know, we're we're home because we filmed here filmed here so much okay. type of deal. That's true. That's possible. that's the way I took it. But OK. Well, I mean, maybe we'll see. We'll see in an upcoming. Um, but we get this dramatic moment where the queen, they need the queen in order to get back. OK, because she's the only one who can calculate the trajectory. Uh, and this is the thing they don't point out. Yes, it's like it, it. they point. They say, oh, we need to know what the queen knows about where to find the watcher and when history is going to change. And it's like, <laughs> dude, you need the queen to go home. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so they need to keep her alive. And so she, they're diverting all the ship's power to, you know, saving her, including from well, sickbay. So we've had this well, choice of her or Elnor. Well, she was the one that re- diverted all the power. Right. They didn't do it. It's she grabbed all the power and they had the choice whether or not to disconnect her. Right. Yeah, because Rios, like, yeah. Rios was going to shoot her in the head and, and Picard says, no, we need her because of these other reasons that aren't the actual one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, they need to know who the watcher is so that, they, that and when the event is going to happen so they can fix the timeline. I mean, that's Except obviously more important, but they've already got a plan on that or they quickly develop a plan on that. Oh, this watcher must know something about time travel. Let's look for alien tech in Los Angeles. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- this Rafi, once Elnor dies, uh, Rafi goes off on Picard and oh it, yeah she yeah, accuses him of playing games with Q and jousting and playing around with people's lives for sport and it's like well no that's Q Picard is not doing that who says that he's involuntary that. yeah yeah exactly I, I love what uh, he's trying to comfort her at one point and she says he says I know what you're feeling right now and I love her response and I love the performance by the actress is like mm-hmm. I promise you you do not because what I'm feeling right now is intense, sharp disappointment in leadership. Ouch. And it's like, that's the, <laughs> about the cruelest thing she could have said to him. Yes. Right. Yeah. That was, that was, yeah, that was, I mean, he, he has experienced loss for sure. in mm. very close loss to him. Yeah. But, but you, not, I am, I am pissed off at you because of how bad a leader you are. Right. Is that like goes to the heart of Picard's character? Yes. Mm. Yeah. So they decide to split up. Uh, Rafi, Seven, and Rios are going to go find the Watcher while Picard and Gerardi 
fix the Borg Queen, yeah. which is plausible. It's, it's not, it's, and it's not so much they decide. It's Rafi says, I'm going. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not follow. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm going Picard. I'm not listening to you now. I'm going to go deal right. with this. And Rios and Seven decide, oh, I think we'll go with her just to make sure she doesn't, you know, end the world or something. She's so bad. <laughs> and it's plausible because Picard, being an elderly guy, doesn't need to be running around action hero in Los Angeles. You know, all that sort of stuff at this point. I mean, maybe he will uh, eventually end up there, but uh, it's possible he stays behind. Um, I, I like a bit of dialogue that Agnes has where she, without explaining it. She says, watch out for butterflies. And yep. and that's a callback to a uh, to the classic science fiction story, The Sound of Thunder, which right. is um, it's like from the 1950s, if I recall correctly. And um, in in The Sound of Thunder, what happens is you have this time travel safari service that will take you back in time to dinosaur days so you can hunt a dinosaur and they have i using their technology they identify a dinosaur that's just about to die anyway you know it's like gonna fall over dead in a minute and so it's safe for you to kill it you won't be changing history it was gonna die anyway so as a safari guy you get to go back and shoot a dinosaur but they um they tell you do not get off the path that they've set up for you because they've vetted this path. It's safe for you to walk on it. But if you get off of it, um, then uh, you can cause history to change. And so we have this story where this guy goes back in the past. He gets to shoot his dinosaur, but he steps off the path and steps on a butterfly. And then when he gets back to his own time in our future, there's a totalitarian dictatorship in place mm -hmm. um, because of the butterfly he stepped on. And so stepping on the butterfly is the sci-fi, you know, trope for don't accidentally change history. And so Agnes tells them, don't, you know, watch out for butterflies. And I like the fact they don't have to explain that to the audience. It's like I just did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> It's pretty pop culture now. Like Jurassic Park had it with Jeff Goldblum and then it was the movie Butterfly Effect and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Although the modern Butterfly Effect, even though it's similar conceptually, has a different origin. Okay. Um, but also she makes it concrete and she says, look, don't get taken to any hospitals. Don't interact with any authorities. Don't go through any checkpoints. Don't let anybody scan you because you've got ID implants and vaccination chips in you that they haven't invented yet. Right. That's yeah, that was a good I, I like that attention to detail there. That's that's good attention to detail in the writing part. Uh, yeah. On the other hand, I would know exactly how to explain that stuff if they scanned me. Alien oh, I'm I'm a, I'm a magician. <laughs> no, I'm a magician, and these are implants to allow to allow me to do magic tricks. Oh, interesting. Because there are magicians reportedly claiming they have those now. Oh, wow. Hmm. I was I was gonna say just I, oh they're experimental. I, I can't talk about them. I'm a part of the experiment. You know, it, it's <laughs> it'll come out someday, but right now they're it's classified or just. I knew I've been abducted by aliens. <laughs> exactly. Oh, there you go. They're alien implants. It's alien technology. It's always aliens. <laughs> There's that episode and, of Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World that explains and, and, it. And if they <laughs> dig them out and it's like, wow, this is futuristic tech. See, I told you aliens. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not lying. <laughs> so, uh, so they determine Picard and Gerardi that someone has to interface, mentally interface with the Borg queen. Um, but it can't be him because... Since she'd she's take him over in two seconds. Yes. But Agnes mm. would have more time and Picard's first against it. But of course, but she's like, uh, we could slow her down. You know, we, uh, you could pull me out at any time where it seems like I've gone in too far. Uh, this seems like a really bad idea, but, you know, she goes <sighs> yeah. for it. Yeah, I'm not entirely happy with this because what on earth is Agnes supposed to do to help a Borg queen regenerate by linking with her mentally? This is this is just out of nowhere. Yeah. Deus ex machina technology. This, I mean, yep. a, an ordinary human woman, you plug her into a Borg, she's going to become a Borg. She's not going to mm -hmm. help the Borg queen get out of emergency survival mode. Right. Yeah. You wonder, like, what is it? Like, they don't even like give us a hint at what's actually going on. Like that where, you know, like, yeah. I'm going through her mind and I see an a door that I unlock. Or, you know, there's none of that. I know. Yeah. They should give us some visuals or something. Yeah. Well, it's the other way around. It's the queen poking through Gerardi's mind instead of the other way around. Right. 
Although know, it turns out this it's a little both ways that that's the mm-hmm. the uh, the reveal. Well, I wonder what they could have done instead of you know Picard looking at the iPad instead of plugging the iPad into the Queen and using it to get that information. Yeah, right. I, I think I get an app for that. <laughs> so we have this uh, problematic transport to LA that you know transporters aren't working great. Uh, they get separated. Um, uh, uh, Rafi ends up I, I, in the I, in the Terminator. I, 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 I do like. Lot. Sorry, I do have a I do have a, a a thing I like where Picard gets a line about the assimilation. Agnes is pointing out this is only a partial assimilation I'm going to do. And yeah. Picard says halfway to hell is not a recommended destination. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. I like that line. Uh, you may hear that again from me. Uh, so uh, they have this problematic transport to L.A. Um, and of course, Rios materializes in midair, like next to a, a fire escape and ends up smashing his head into the ground like he's not dead i mean that's a pretty bad yeah. hit um avoid hospitals so he ends up in a neighborhood clinic where uh they cater to people who need to stay off the grid and you know illegal aliens or mm-hmm. undocumented aliens or whatever we say these days um where he has dropped his communicator gets picked up by a kid and he has to get it back from him uh, at some point, I, I, I did like his reaction when he took the bite of the cookies and he's like, this is real peanut butter. It's <laughs> yeah. not replicated, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, barters with the kid to get the uh, communicator back. And the kid like plays him really well, actually. Uh, and it turns out the kid he's who has the communicator is the son of the cute doctor. Right. And mm-hmm. so so she just waltzes in and takes the plate of cookies and says, you just got played. <laughs> yeah. He, he would have given yeah. it back anyway. You just got played. Because the kid, he was going to give the kid the whole plate of cookies in exchange for the communicator. Right. And of course, it's the Spanish speaking guy with the the Spanish accent who ends up in in the no paper, no police, no questions clinic where the doctor thinks he's an illegal and the cop's going to show up. And that's like if it were Rafi or even more seven, it would have been no question. You know, oh, you know, you we don't we don't suspect you of being, uh, you know, uh, undocumented and all this other stuff. But. You know, for dramatic purposes, it's got to be Rios, of course. Uh, I do like how. Go ahead, Father. I was going to say we we learn a little bit more about Rios in in this conversation while the doctor's distracting him before putting his finger back in place. I was just going to mention that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Uh, that 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 looked way painful. But um, we find out, you know, that he his mom worked was a instructor at the academy at Starfleet Academy, and he broke in to at like eight years old, broke into the the, The the simulator. Yeah. The Starship Simulator and like was the best person ever, like got the highest score ever on the simulator. Right. And that's how he ended up as a helmsman. Right. And and the reason he's telling this, although he doesn't say Starfleet because he's nope. watching out for butterflies, but he tells this story in a way that it it won't upset the timeline. But uh, the reason he's telling it is that cute doctors, he's, he's got some, he's got a dislocated finger that needs to be reset. And as the doctor's making friends with him, she says, tell me, tell me your favorite childhood story. And so he thinks about it and he comes up with this story. And then as he's getting to the climax of the story, snap, she relocates <laughs> his finger and says, cute story. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and we realize it was all a distraction. So she could set his finger. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> that looks painful. Oh, I I saw it coming too. Like she's not asking because she's really interested. Yeah. she's distracting him. Uh, so Rafi materializes uh in among some trucks, but Seven is in a park where she materializes in front of this little girl who's a god, yeah. <laughs> and she says, "Are you a superhero?" And Seven kind of winks at her and goes, "Can you keep my secret?" Sure. Really, it's a really, <laughs> yeah, really touching moment. I love that. It was a very cute scene. Uh, Rafi is uh, then walking through, okay, the san- a sanctuary dis- district. This is 2024 yeah. from the, uh, we had uh, Deep Space Nine episodes where uh, uh, Cisco. Past and- tense. Past tense, right. Thank you. Uh, Cisco and Bashir ended up in 2024 in the sanctuary districts for the Bell Riots um, and this is we see a sign. Actually, I don't know if you guys saw there was a sign yep. in the background that said sanctuary district. So this is it was what, the same kind of same exact kind of sign. It was the sanctuary district regulations. Right. Uh, and it, it's instead of being like a neighborhood that had been walled off, this was a, a, a homeless camp. Yeah. That was made into the sanctuary district. And uh, it's interesting. I, I'm curious if we're going to go further with this, if we're gonna, if they're going to go any further with this idea of the sanctuary, like play this up at all, you know, maybe even bring in the bell riots, which would be kind of fun. Um, 
Yeah, because we don't know when in 2024 this is. We don't know if this is before or after yeah. those riots or con- yeah. concurrent with it. You know, this could be the same time frame, too. There, be it's, yeah, it's definitely the same year. But the um, there is a complication in getting too far into the Bell riots in that. Uh, so if you haven't seen those Deep Space Nine episodes, Cisco and the gang travel back to 2024 and it's a pivotal moment in history these there, there there were these riots in the San Francisco sanctuary district involving a figure named Gabriel Bell and Gabriel Bell's the riots that resulted as a result of Gabriel Bell um, had a big impact on history so they need to happen unfortunately when they get there Gabriel the real Gabriel Bell dies prematurely and Cisco has to step in and take Gabriel Bell's place and act out his Gabriel Bell's part in history in order for the riots to happen. And um, and since Avery Brooks, who played Benjamin Cisco, is a way older now and B doesn't act anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be hard to pull him in. I mean, I'd love to see him return at some point, but I doubt he's going to be showing up for this, especially given the fact, I mean, he could play an older admiral version of himself. Right. But um, but he wouldn't be able to play Gabriel Bell the way he did when he was, years ago. you know, yeah. well, I, 25 I, I years see ago. If they, I can see if they pull this in, uh, pull that, that plot line in that they would use footage from the episode. Yeah. Whether mm-hmm. whether it is you know footage that was left on the the cutting room floor or or you know do it like over the TV like a TV report and show or they could show re- Cisco or they, something like that they, or they could recast the historical Gabriel Bell before he dies. Yep, I, they, I don't I don't see them you know making a big deal out of the Bell riots though right. because this yeah. is a different city you know it's in Los Angeles yeah. instead of San Francisco but I could see that being mentioned somewhere along I was the way. Say, that's what I was thinking is that maybe it's like happens off screen con- contemporaneously. That's that was yeah. my thought. But uh, it's fun because uh, Rafi, as she's walking through, gets mugged and she's like, <laughs> oh, how how cute. And then she basically takes the gun away from the guy, pistol whips him and takes his mug, uh, his money because she doesn't have any. Uh, yep. And and then she takes she takes the clip out of the gun and throws it in a trash can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. You idiot, keep the gun. They've <laughs> right. just they've left all of their phasers back on La Serena because they're temporarily mm-hmm. out of place and could affect the timeline. I mean, they had a whole Voyager two parter about that. Yeah. So <laughs> um so here someone has just given you a weapon that's appropriate to this time period. You don't have another weapon. Keep it. Yeah. Also, yeah. you're putting it in in a trash can in a in a in an air in a crime infested area, someone's going to come along, find it, put a new clip in it, and use it for no good. It's it's right. you're going to handle it more responsibly than than wh- whoever else would likely find it. And they do show her dismantling it, where she pulled the slide off of it. But still, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah I agree with you. This, it's not gonna, yeah, it's, it's not going to be that hard. It's like, oh, here's here's a handle. I bet the slides around here somewhere and start yeah. digging. Exactly. The, the clips around here somewhere. In, in yeah. Anyone who owns a gun know that has a slide knows. Oh, well, I take this off every time I clean it, so it's yeah. easy to put back together. Yeah, yeah. Just you know. Throw one in, throw it in the sewer, or part of it in the sewer, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but better yet, keep it and use it for yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so seven comes along, and we get the requisite sermon about how bad society was in 2024. There um, is a stinger though about it, it, where Rafi says, "I'm surprised that a society with this level of contradictions didn't fall apart sooner than it did." <laughs> then it did. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we get a scene where uh, Agnes is connected to the Borg Queen, and it's a very creepy assimilation sort of scene yeah. where they, they end up swapping voices. Voices. Yeah. So you have Agnes's mm-hmm. little girl-ish voice coming out of the Borg Queen, and the Borg Queen sinister seductress voice coming out of Agnes's little girl face. Yeah. That was very reminiscent of Doctor Who Midnight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, very I, much. I gotta say, I really like Annie Wershing here as the Borg Queen. I, like mm-hmm. I've seen her in a bunch of different things, and she's—I really like her as an actress, and she does a really good job here with the Borg Queen. She's suitably seductress, creepy monster, kind of like yeah. It, she's really good at this. Um, 
so they end up having to go to a place, uh, Seven and Ralphie go to a place called the Markridge Tower, which I'm going to guess is not a real place. I didn't look it up. Yeah. But, uh, they, the tower itself is a real tower, but it's a uh, Wiltshire yeah. Tower, but it's not not yeah. the actual name of it. Not the Markridge Industrial Tower in real life. Nope. Okay. So Seven and Rafi have to talk their way past a security guard because they're trying to get as high as they can to get as good of sensor coverage with their tricorder, uh, which so I'll talk can, about in a second. Yeah. So they can scan for the alien tech. Um, they they have to they kind of talk past them like a, it's a important place to them in their their relationship or something like that. Um, and it works. And Seven surprised like strangers don't usually like me. She says because <laughs> normally she she's got Borg implants on her face. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's when Ravi says you in twenty twenty four should get a room, which was I thought was kind of a funny line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then. They scan for the tech using a uh, Samsung Galaxy Fold tricorder. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. is clearly a Samsung Galaxy Fold phone. This is this not. They didn't even really dress it up all that much. See, see there, Android is the future. <laughs> Android is the future, not uh, iOS. Apparently, yes. Apparently, well, in the <laughs> in the, the bad alternate future, frankly, uh, actually, it's the that's the that's it's yeah, still the future. The, the the dark evil timeline where Android rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, uh, they they get a um, a signal that f- comes and goes. They also get the signal from um, Rios's communicator that the kid's playing with, <laughs> flickering it on and off. Uh, and and uh, so they know where he is nearby. Uh, the queen wakes, by the way, back on the the ship, and is lucid now, like she's not all out of it, and demands control of the ship. But it turns yeah. out. And she, she doesn't hold any cards. She, she explains yeah. the reason she is um, lucid now is because it's before the split in time. So right. she's not getting bleed over from two different timelines and she's more coherent. Yes. Right. And uh, she, you know, she basically says we can, you know, go back and forth over, you know, you um, negotiating with me. But we know that I have all the cards here, so you have to capitulate. And that's when Agnes reveals that she stole the information out of the Borg Queen's mind and then somehow blocked her from accessing it. Like yeah, she's, she's got like, it in a file called Stuff I Stole from the Borg Queen, except it's <laughs> it's not the word stuff. It's another word that yeah. starts with ass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was kinda, that was funny. The very Agnes moment there. So, um, so they have, they and, have oh, the information. The, the Queen is angry. And says, you have just done something far more dangerous than you realize. You've impressed me. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, we're building to more Agnes, Queen, something, some kind of interaction. Because now the Queen is specifically interested in Agnes and what she could do with her. Yes. And and that's when Picard says, I think you need to be very far from her. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh then then we get the scene where uh, uh ice officers immigration shows up at the uh, clinic where rios is and he's he's he can escape but of course mr chivalry has to go back and help the well, dr teresa and uh, it's not just chivalry it's also he realizes the badge is sitting there on her desk yes. right he needs the he needs cuz he, he goes he touches the, his chest where the badge is and goes oh oops <laughs> yeah so they he both just get, about to get it yeah so. Yeah, so he comes back in dressed in a doctor's, you know, lab coat and is pretending to be a doctor that works with Teresa and the cute doctor. And and he says, you know, come back here and I'll help you with that 13 year old kid who's about to bleed out or something. He's pretending there's a medical emergency in the back room to get her away from the immigration people. And she says to him in Spanish, what do you think you're doing? And he says back, I'm trying to help you. And I'm going, guys, La Migra speaks Spanish. Yes. (laughs) They, 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 it's part of their job. So (laughs) you're not going to be hiding what you're saying from them just by switching into Spanish. They're going to know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, I have I have friends who are border patrol up on the northern border, but they worked down on the southern border and their conversational Spanish is not great Spanish, but they're good enough that they would understand that conversation and go, oh, you're trying to help her. Why are you trying to help her? You know, <laughs> yeah. at which so, point you could come up with, well, I just said there's a 13 year old kid back here about yeah. to bleed out. Exactly. But, yeah. So uh, he's the uh, officers asked for his UHC card, which is a reference mm-hmm. to 
the DS9 episode past tense where they need to have their UHC cards. Uh, Teresa wonders if Rios is is uh, being brave or stupid. And the ICE officer uh, who realizes he doesn't have ID says, I- I'm going with stupid, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> so when they were told to avoid hospitals and police, uh, Rios has yep. now broken both. <laughs> And it probably means he'll probably get scanned here at some point. Yes, scanning has got to be in the cards. And, uh, and Seven and Rafi are going to come break him out of jail. Yeah, it's yep. it's just like uh, Star Trek Four Voyage Home, <laughs> where they had to break out. Uh, in what I'm sure will have been a much more entertaining breakout for Chekhov, uh, this will probably be less comedic and fun uh, than yeah. that one. Yeah, that was kind of a note I mentioned is there's a lot of this that's a Star Trek for redo. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. it's there's very much instead of whales are looking for the watcher instead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, this, it kind of echoes the Voyager season five episode Timeless, where Chakotay and Harry Kim go back in time to fix a mistake. Yes. And they beat yep. Sarah Silverman. <laughs> Which is a weird <laughs> guest spot. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, in fact, if you think about it, this does mirror. Uh, voyage home a lot. I mean, there's yeah. Ad- oh, yeah, Admiral. Does. They're on a ship that they shouldn't be on. That's not a Starfleet ship. And like it's a. I mean, they they really they recalled it when they talked about uh, we have the Borg Queen, not Spock, to do the calculation. So it's very interesting. I'm curious how far they'll take that mirroring of a voyage home. Uh, that should be interesting. Um, any it would last? Be, it would be fun to see a sign in the background for the new exhibit up in San Francisco of George and Gracie. <laughs> Dissertation <Yeah>. Institute. Yeah, <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> so, uh, Father Corey, any no, last except note? that would have been back in the 1980s. Yes, yeah, years been too ago. late. Maybe uh, ch- the ch- the uh, the we could have like the pod of uh, George and Gracie or something. Their uh, baby whale that mm-hmm. they had or something. Anyway, mm-hmm. Father Corey, any last notes? So when uh, uh, Rafi materializes They're, they've got a, a remix of California Dreamin', the song from the Mamas and the Papas. And it's but this not is, by Mama. Mama Cass is not singing it. Yeah, no, this is this is as far as I can tell, I didn't look closely, but as far as I can tell, this is something they had made for this episode. This isn't a like a cover because there's been covers through the years. Mm-hmm. Beach Boys did a cover and stuff like that. Uh, but this is not. This is not the original. This is something, but I think was made for the, the episode. But because like my uh, Android, you know, Android phones can pick up music and do the recognition mm-hmm. and it wasn't showing anything. So I, I think it was remake. Um, and well, then the guard probably would have saved them a little bit of money in that you're it, not paying yeah. the artist. You're just paying the mechanical license to. It's uh, actually exactly by an artist named Freischwimmer hmm. who has they they have it's on an album. So it's yeah. like a okay. remix they did a while ago. Yeah. Okay, well, okay, still, as a smaller artist, you won't pay yes. as much as you would to the estate of the Mamas and the Papas. Exactly. Right. By the way, I used I I have done at times frequently um, California California Dreaming as a singing call when calling mm. calling square dances, and um, and the lyrics do you know nicely kind of fit um, the the environment they're beaming into. I mean, the lyrics in right. uh, it. it the plot in California Dreaming is from the viewpoint of someone who's on the East Coast in a cold, yep. in wintry environment. And then, but if I was in California, I'd be safe and warm if I was yep. in L.A. And they're beaming into yep. L.A. Yeah. and it's warm and they're kind of safe. Um, yeah, I was I was in, I was pleased that they they included the middle verse in um in the bridge in the song which talks about going into a church and mm. and praying and and that also fits with this in that they're on this desperate mission they kind of need heavenly help mm. um yep. so I, but given how secular star trek can be i didn't know if they'd use that verse or not but they did yep yeah no it was, it was a good it was a good catch to to hear that mm-hmm. um and then uh, the, the guard who who catches Seven and Raffi up at the top of the tower was played by Math, Matthew Kamiski, and he should look familiar for those of us who have watched Enterprise because he played a uh, crewman in the mess hall, yeah, Cunningham in the yeah. second season. So we haven't gotten to him yet in in this rewatch, but yeah, so he, he's he's been in Star Trek before back in Enterprise. Oh yeah, that yeah he did look familiar. That's fun. That's fun. He's another thing, obviously, as well. He's yeah. another one of those actors that's, you know, he's behind the scenes, a, you know, B, B actor in some, you know, mini, mini series. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, uh, any note, final notes? 
Uh, let's see. We once more had ridiculous waiting for commands to be given, which I just hate. It's like this all should happen automatically. You don't need to wait, and especially you don't need to tell people to wait for my order. Right. The computer can time this much better than you can. Let <laughs> yeah. the computer assume firing control. Let the computer assume navigation control. Um, mm-hmm. That's what it's for. It'll, it, so I this time, there, Rios is like making them wait for his command to fire. It's like, why? Just why? <laughs> this doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um but it's such a trope. Uh, when Elnor died, I had in my notes, this is too soon. Um, you know, in episode, because we're only in episode three. And if you want to build up to a permanent death, it couldn't be this or of a major character like him. It couldn't be this early. Um, so I said to myself immediately, stasis, question mark, because they are putting him into some tube like thing. And they could bring him back that way. And then and my next note is restored to life in the last episode by time wipe, which they then immediately hang a lantern on of will Elnor come back if we fix history? I don't know. Well, of course he will. So why then would they kill Elnor in episode three? And it seems that the obvious answer is because they don't want him to be the super competent action man. While they're back in 2024, they want to force the action to be shouldered by the other characters and not have someone super competent because Elner is basically a superhero. He's 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 Karate Kid from the 31st century from the Legion of Superheroes, the the original Karate Kid before the movies um, <laughs> that the that the movies had to pay royalties to to use the name. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, and and so. So it's to get him out of the way because he's too good at action. Um, if they're in a low tech environment where people aren't waving beam weapons around. Plus, you won't uh, have to wear a ridiculous hat to hide his ears. Yeah. My <laughs> my friend got his head caught in a mechanical rice picker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, which we actually have these days, I guess. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> He's got his he as he's about to die. There's a nice callback to episode one because he um, he he, as he's about to die, he tells Rafi to get his medallion out of his pocket because it comforts him. And she does. And she reads what's on it in Romulan. And it says now is the only moment. Mm. And and Elnor presumably had her get it in part because he knows this is the only moment for him. He's about to die. Mm. Um, but it's a callback to what, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Romulan lady uh, told Picard. Uh, was Laris. this Laris told uh, Picard in episode one about now is the only moment. And so, you know, carpe diem dude. <laughs> yes. um, after, after I, I, I have these mixed feelings about the death of Elnor. Um, I'm not entirely happy with them because it seems to me that the the reason they're killing him now is because they're getting him out of the way and it's not a satisfying death. And it it causes Raffi to spiral off into this. I'm too time. I'm so driven by grief. I'm irrational. And. Mm don't you try to grief counsel me seven and I'm just going to press through in this irrational manner. And, and then they've already hung a lantern on the fact he's going to come back. So it feels messy Mm -hmm. to me from a writing perspective. I'm not happy about that. Um, Also, uh, so the introduction of Teresa as Rios's apparent love interest is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, if this really goes the full search for whales route, she could end up going back to the future with them like Dr. Mm-hmm. Jillian did. Um, doubt that will happen because she's got a son in 2024. On the other hand, if he falls for her hard, um, knowing World War Three is going to start in two years, he might want to get him out of there. Yeah. Um, but there's a bigger structural problem with this, which is. When they divide the team and they have seven Rafi and Rios go search for the watcher and then they have Agnes just pull that information out of the queen's head, their side mission is pretty pointless. 
Yeah. I mean, they could mm-hmm. have set it up by saying we're going to pursue these two lines of inquiry. Maybe one of them will succeed. Um, but they don't set it up that way. They 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 send um, the the trio off to L.A. as if it's this is how we're going to find the watcher. And then they deus ex machina the, inf- the same information out of the queen's head with Agnes. And it's it's just it's jangly. This is like it feels artificial. You're just giving these characters something to do instead of having a rational plan driving the plot forward. That's true. That is true. Um, one thing I want to mention, too, by the way, is with another possible way for Eleanor to come back uh, is the literal deus ex machina in this show, which is Q. Q can yeah. bring people back to life from, from yeah. death. And, and it, that feels like it kind of sucks a little drama out of things because I'm always half expecting Q to, you know, to, to pull this whenever he's in a show, no death is, is final until the, the credits roll. You know what I mean? Unless you're the mm -hmm. unnamed crewman at the helm. Right. Or Tashi R for instance. I mean, it's just, it it can happen, but yeah, it just. Yeah. And Elnor's death just feels unsatisfying to me to the way it's played. It's not as bad as Tasha's death, obviously, but no, but it feels unsatisfying. So that's our discussion of uh, of the assimilation episode, and uh, we I did promise some listener feedback, so let's get to that because we yes, quite you a bit. did yes, awesome listener yeah. feedback this week. Uh, it's always good. Uh, I don't read the bad stuff. <laughs> 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 so our first feedback comes from Paul Leone, who wrote on our YouTube channel. Uh, I didn't watch season one of Picard, but season two is off to a great start, in my opinion. Thanks for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. I'm Paul enjoying Green. it. Yeah, it and is so good. far so good. Yeah. Uh, we have a follow-up from Trey Kester, who sent us an email. Trey had told us that he didn't watch any Star Trek, but had been listened to all our episodes and needed Which is some recommendations. Impressive. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's uh, great. We gave him some recommendations on stuff to watch. So here's his, his response. He says, thanks for the recommendations. I sat down and watched them all this past week and enjoyed each one. I think Balance of Terror and Wrath of Khan were my favorites, mm-hmm. with a mock time mm-hmm. and the Undiscovered Country right behind them. Uh, I also watched Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, out of morbid curiosity, <laughs> but unfortunately, it wasn't bad enough to be entertaining like I hoped, just kind of boring. Yeah, that yeah, it's was... Not, it's it, not quite not it, quite mystery science theater level. Yeah, yeah. it's just bad. It, it's, it's, and that was my experience, too, on rewatching it for the podcast, was this isn't as bad as people say it is. It's just not great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, then he says... Um, As far as listening to the podcast versus watching the show itself, I thought of two things of note. First, it was interesting trying to figure out who some of the characters I knew about from listening to the podcast, but hadn't seen visually before in pop culture were in the show. For example, Janice Rand and Christine Chappell in TOS and Beverly Crusher in TNG. I imagine this would be even more pronounced if I eventually watched the less famous shows like Voyager or Enterprise. Second, since you guys haven't gotten to season two of TOS yet, I realized that I wasn't super familiar with Chekhov and was surprised at just how much I enjoyed that character. Anyways, thanks again for the recommendations in the podcast. I'm definitely more open to watching more Star Trek now than I was before. Yeah, and gl- glad to hear it. Glad you enjoyed those. Um, Chekhov is in the movies. Chekhov is a bit player. Um, mm-hmm. He's most prominent in um in wrath of khan uh mm-hmm. he's got a, a more central role to the plot there even though it's still a small role and also in search for whales in star trek 4 yep. um where he gets to play more he, he plays more for drama in botany bay botany bay you know in <laughs> yeah. in um uh, wrath, of in wrath of khan but he gets to play more for comedy admiral chekhov in um, yeah. where in, are the nuclear vessels? The nu- I know, the, <laughs> we're looking for the nuclear vessels. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's the Enterprise. Yeah. But in 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 four, but he he really gets uh, a lot. There's a lot more fun with him in seasons two and three of the original series. Yeah. Yes. Uh, all right, and uh, our next feedback comes from Patreon, where our patron Hot Glue Gunslinger says in the. In the recent episode of uh, Star Trek Picard titled Penance, I think you missed something. It was very clear that all the main characters on the bridge of the Stargazer were returned to the alternate reality with their previous memories intact, including the Borg Queen. The Borg Queen was a prominent member of the events that were taking place, and there's no way that Q would have discarded her. 
I think the Borg Queen that the crew encounters in the alternate reality is the same Borg Queen from the Stargazer. Look at her shoulder devices. They are biomechanical arms coming out of her shoulders, suspending her in the stasis chamber that looks suspiciously like the Doc Ock arms that take over the Stargazer. I think that the Borg Queen was also sent back with her memories intact, but because she's the Borg Queen, her memories are fragmented. She's a little nutty, to say the least, but she knows what's going on, and she recognizes Seven of Nine as the tertiary adjunct. And she recognizes Picard as Locutus. You missed this relationship in your review of the episode, in my opinion. Okay. Um, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Uh, people <laughs> frequently write in and or periodically write in and say we missed something. And it's, it may not be that we missed it. It may be that we saw it and didn't comment on it. It also right. may be that because these episodes have to have a finite length, you know, given the limitations of, of physical matter and storage media. <laughs> um, and it also may be that we considered it and didn't agree. And mm -hmm. for myself, in this case, I, I would say that's the case. Um, in episode two, where we introduce the Borg Queen, they're pretty explicit about saying that this is the queen from this timeline and she's getting bleed over information from other timelines. And so I don't think that I don't think it is. I don't think she's the same queen and she is physically different. I mean, she she doesn't have legs. She doesn't she doesn't have the head cowl that they made a big point out of. Um and in this episode as well, it seems like she's she's native to this timeline. And before the split, she's functioning OK. So I I I I did, you know, wonder, at least briefly, is this the same queen from the Stargazer? But I I don't think it is, given what they've established. But that's, you know, other people can have other opinions. Well, and, and the fact that they they stated in, in the second episode that the queens are all connected through temporal blah, 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 and all this other stuff that they can know of the other the existence of other queens and other universes and all that, that this could go half dozen one half dozen one way, half dozen the other. I mean, it could be the queen from the Stargazer. It could be a different queen. Um so yeah. it, it's I, I don't think it's it's something that's quite as certain. Uh, appreciate the, the comments, but it's I, I I don't think we miss it. I just don't think we agree, as Jimmy said. Yeah. Well, in individual, I mean, we are, each of us three has to speak for himself. Yeah, I, I was going to say that in this episode, in assimilation, I think it goes further to show that if she were the queen from their universe, she would have said something along those lines. I mean, mm -hmm. she would have said something about what she was doing on the stargazer. And it, this one does not have any of that. D doesn't bring any of that up, even when she becomes lucid and aware and all of the rest. So I, I, it's not definitive. I mean, you could still be right, I suppose, but it really feels like it's the other, it, it's, it's the other direction, but, uh, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We got mm -hmm. a bunch more episodes to go. Uh, Kelly Brown writes on Facebook, great discussion of a great episode. So far, I'm liking this season of Picard much better than last season. This storyline is much more interesting to me than the hunt for robot girl and the creepy Romulan siblings. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember Drusilla and her brother. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Previously, I never much liked the Mirror Universe episodes of Trek, but I'm liking how they're handling this Mirror Universe much better. I agree with Jimmy that an alternate timeline is an alternate universe. One of the things that always bothered me about the Mirror Universe was that the names of the ships were the same as in the Prime Universe. But in this one, the Enterprise is renamed to something far more appropriate to the timeline. Something like, you know, Planet World Gobbler or something. World Razor. That's what it is. That's what yeah. It is. Uh, I did like that the characters didn't spend much time hand-wringing over having to act like their alternate timeline persona to fit in. They yeah. just went with it. Uh, we didn't mm -hmm. spend half the episode seeing characters like Picard trying to take the moral high ground and refuse to act like evil. As for the Borg Queen, the fact that she can see the different timelines and know that something is wrong reminds me of another sci-fi show. Terry Metalis, who's the showrunner for this season, was the showrunner for the television series 12 Monkeys, which was on the Sci-Fi Network. The show should have gotten much more love than it did. It was a great show that I highly recommend. In that universe, time has been broken, and there are people in that universe referred to as primary that can see the multiple broken timelines. Because of that, they act crazy and just blurt out seemingly disconnected phrases from the different broken timelines that turn out to be important to the plot. In that show, one primary character was in the main cast and was used as a guide to repairing time. The Borg Queen was acting just like those primary characters on 12 Monkeys. 
Terry Metalis has borrowed that concept from his previous show. Interesting. I've seen the movie, but I haven't uh, by uh, Terry Gilliam, but I haven't seen the original. I haven't seen the TV show they did later. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar yeah, with it either. myself. I remember um, when it was on. I just haven't seen it. It's also <laughs> a little like Minority Report, where we had the uh, the mm-hmm. people in the in the pool who also mm-hmm. were seeing. I think they were seeing like alternate timelines. Wasn't it something like that? I forget now. But um, yeah, very similar. Excellent. Well, thank you all for your feedback. Fantastic. We also had yeah. some f- fun feedback from someone who is uh, looking for our discussion of uh, a second oh, yeah. season episode of TOS um, and couldn't find it. And <laughs> to write back saying uh, that's because we haven't done that unless you are remembering the alternate universe version, the mirror universe version of our podcast where we've discussed <laughs> it uh, in that one. None of the three of us have beards because that's what makes us mirror or- universe. Or did you come from the future where we discuss it eventually <laughs> and what's the future like? And <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, but you can find all of our yeah, episodes on sqpn.com uh, slash Trek. That's where we, we have all of our stuff. Uh, all right. Let's wrap things up there. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create secrets of Star Trek, including Irna's R. Paul O, David M, Michael V, and John G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at Star Trek. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear what you think of Assimilation, this episode of Picard, uh, so we can read it in a future episode. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Star Trek Picard called The Watcher. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Yes, I am. The future <laughs> is now. and once again I'm Dom Bettinelli thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest and remember halfway to hell is still not a recommended destination (laughs) 